Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, friends, some very exciting news. I've got a new book coming out. It comes out in March, but copies are available now or very soon. It's called From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire. And just like it sounds, it's my story. All about uh, growing up in a small town in Delaware, how I ended up on national television from that little start, which took me through the seminary, studying for the priesthood, to California, working for Jerry Brown, doing TV in L.A., coming back to Washington for CNN for Crossfire and the Spin Room on MSNBC with Pat Buchanan. It's been a great run, a lot of fun, met a lot of great people, had a lot of interesting experiences, and I wanted to share it all with you, tell that story. And we do here, Bill Press from the left, copies available right now. You can order a signed copy if you go to our website, BillPressShow.com. With a 40% discount, the book will cost you only $16.79, BillPressShow.com. And the first 100 of you who order uh, from the left will also get a free signed copy of one of my earlier six books. You know, to sum it all up, uh, the great Henry Miller once said, So whether the world is going to pieces or not, whether you are on the side of the angels or the devil himself, take life for what it is. Have fun, spread joy, and confusion. I've tried to do that all of my life. This is the story of it. Bill Press from the left. Get your copy today. Go to BillPressShow.com. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. The FBI director says the White House is not telling the truth about when they learned about Rob Porter. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Happy Valentine's Day. Here we go. On this Wednesday, February 14, we love you, we love you, we love you. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Here on the Bill Press Show, booming out to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm back with you today. Thanks to uh, Peter Ogburn for switching chairs yesterday. Uh, and, um, you know, the ship is still afloat. I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> if only just by a little bit. Can't have been all that bad. We missed uh, Anyhow, so uh, it's good to be back with you and great to see you today with lots to talk about. Yes, indeed, an embarrassing moment for the White House yesterday. When the uh, director of the FBI testifying in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, said, um, uh, yeah, we uh, told the White House, um, yeah, last July uh, that uh, Rob Porter could not get a uh, top security clearance because he'd been accused of uh, domestic violence, domestic abuse. uh, And uh, that totally contradicts what the White House has been telling us about. They insisted they didn't learn about it until Last week, so much for Sarah Huckabee Sanders as a truth teller. Uh, yes, huge news out of Israel where the Israeli police have recommended filing, filing charges 
corruption charges against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Can he survive, a lot of people asking today. And the intelligence chiefs telling the Senate yesterday that Russia is already up to their tricks trying to undo or meddle in the midterm elections this year, and we are doing nothing about it. Whoa! That's a lot you want to sink your teeth into, and you can do so by sending us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, on Twitter, at BP Show. Look forward to hearing from you, but first... This is the Full Court right, Press. Peter. Yes, indeed. Just come over their stories making news. Do you want to have a smart kid? Well, aim to have the baby in September. That is from a new study titled School Starting Age and Cognitive Development from the National Bureau of Economic Research. They found out that children that were born in September tend to be smarter. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I don't believe it. Well, I have an answer for I have an answer for you about okay. what that might be. They say it has nothing to do with the month itself or about the zodiac sign or anything like that. But they say the kids that are born in September have to wait a year to start school, oh, right? Yeah, which means so, they're usually the oldest kids in class. So they're not smarter; they're just uh, older. Yeah, they're older. Yeah, yeah older right. and wiser, or something yeah. like mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. So that's that's sort of how that works out. So I just just saying, if you're trying to have a smart kid. Maybe you want to aim for September. Uh, the Kansas City Star has a story about uh, uh, Angus Woolley. Angus Woolley out of Hutchinson, Kansas. This is a sad story because Angus Woolley was going to run for governor. Oh. But he is going to be disqualified. They had to come out and say that Angus does not meet the requirements he, for governing. Governing. He, he's not old enough. It's, it, oh, it's... Is it a person? Angus is a dog. Oh, yes. Angus is a dog. They actually had to put out a statement yesterday. Brian Caskey, director of elections for the Kansas Secretary of State's office, said, quote, a dog will not be allowed to file and put its name on the ballot, end quote. So I'm sorry, Angus. But you are not allowed to be governor. He'd be better than that governor they got now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, And uh, the Olympics are still going on. Are you still? Are you watching the Olympics? Uh, Well, no, I was uh, in New York yesterday, so I didn't have any time to watch the Olympics. Well, uh, I'll I'll have a medal update for you a little bit later on. But I will say this: Lindsey Vaughn is over there, downhill skier. Uh, She formerly used to date Tiger Woods, but. Today is Valentine's Day, of course. Oh. And she's single while she's over there competing. And she put out a tweet that says, so apparently it's Valentine's Day. I forgot all about it because I'm at the Olympics and I'm single. Anyone else out there single (laughs) and want to be my Valentine? So she's tweeting looking for a date on Valentine's Day while she's over there competing in the Olympics. By the way, that's Sean White. Oh, Oh my God. God. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it's it's not human to do what he does. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say, folks? Happy Valentine's. Yes, indeed. Uh, Not a big Valentine at the White House after the FBI director tells the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, that, in effect, the White House was lying about when they heard about Rob Porter uh, and the allegations uh, and the evidence of domestic violence. What do you say, everybody? Good to see you today, Wednesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, indeed, 2018. Hello, hello, hello. 
and lots of love from all of us here at the Bill Press Show to all of you all across this great land of ours, wherever you happen to be, on this Wednesday, February 14th, any time of day, we are there with you uh, to give you a big hug and to tell you what's going on in the world today here in Washington, D.C., around the country and around the globe. Uh, we've got a great lineup of guests to do so, too, as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. As we join you on the radio out in Chicago area on the great WCPT, Progressive Voice of Chicago, and in Indianapolis throughout the state of Indiana, actually on Indiana Talks. Looking at you also on Free Speech TV. How about it? Here we go. Uh, Mark Morial, who's a former mayor of New Orleans and the president of the National Urban League, will be joining us shortly. Lisa Hymas from Media Matters telling us about uh, the silence among the media in the media world about climate change and the environment in general. Uh, and then our good friend Hunter Walker, who covers the White House for Yahoo News, will be along to bring us up to date on the Rob Porter scandal. That is certainly one of the big stories today. The other story is that the Israeli police have said that they believe charges should be filed, corruption charges, bribery charges, against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, that is now up to the Israeli Attorney General to decide whether or not to go forward uh, with charges. Um, the heads of our head, the, all the heads of the intelligence agencies yesterday, testifying in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee and saying that we are actually... Already, uh, the targets of more spying efforts, more attempts to meddle in the midterm elections, the now the midterm elections by Russia, they're already at it, they're already underway, and yet we are doing nothing about it. Well, how could we? Because President Trump won't even admit, hasn't yet conceded that they had anything to do with the 2016 uh, elections. And the blue wave continues with Democrats picking up yet another, flipping yet another state legislative seat, this one down in Florida. Yeah, let's bring you the update on this mess. It is a royal mess at the Trump White House. I mean, they just don't know what the hell they are doing down there. Now we're um, (coughs) a week into this Rob Porter scandal. It's been going on for a lot longer than that, we know. But, I mean, publicly, uh, the stuff hit the fan last Tuesday, a week ago and a week and a day. And yet the White House, they still can't get their story straight. They are still saying, John Kelly insisting, chief of staff, backed up, of course, by that lying press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Still saying that, well, you know, the FBI was dragging its heels. Uh, He was, Rob Porter, accused by two ex-wives of beating them up, including the photo of one of them with a black guy. Uh, That he, he was under a temporary security clearance because the FBI was dragging its heels. It took, it was taking him a long time to finish this. And so uh, they kept him in that position, waiting to hear from the FBI And then the latest is, well, they're waiting for the White House personnel office uh, to do its job. Uh, That's what Sarah Huckabee Sanders was trying to tell um, um, 
yes, tell uh, reporters yesterday, tell the world yesterday. First of all, she says, you know, oh, Donald Trump, yeah, he takes us very seriously, and he is all for those women victims, uh, Donald Trump is, yeah. Here's Sarah Huckabee, here's Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, saying uh, how concerned the president is. The president takes uh, all of these accusations very seriously. He believes uh -huh. in due process. Above everything else, he supports the victims of any type of violence. Uh, yeah, right. This is the same president who actually himself, uh, so who do you believe, actually himself tweeted out, told reporters, first of all, that, remember, Rob Porter says he's innocent, so you got to take that into account, just like Donald Trump says he's innocent. Take that into account. And then uh, Donald Trump also, of course, saying that uh, it's too bad. People are accused. Their careers are ruined. And we need due process. Yes, he, as Donald Trump again, always believing the men, never believing the women. And then Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying, well, uh, you know, again, we couldn't do anything more because the bureaucrats hadn't, hadn't finished their work. The White House Personnel Security Office, staffed by career officials, received information last year and what they considered to be the final background investigation report in November. But they had not made a final recommendation for adjudication to the White House because the process was still ongoing when Rob Porter resigned. Now we know that is a big, fat lie. Surprise, surprise. But yesterday in testimony in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee, White House I mean, FBI Director uh, Christopher Ray said that actually the FBI started its investigation. Get this timeline now, and and see the contrast between what the that what he says, which is the truth, and what the White House is trying to lie about. So Christopher Ray, FBI director, said they started the investigation in January 2017. James Comey was still there. Don McGahn, the White House counsel, was informed in 2017 that in beginning their investigation, they found out that Rob Porter had been accused of, allegations of, they talked to the ex-wives of this physical violence against both of them. In March, March 2017, the FBI gave its temporary or partial conclusions of its report to the White House. So they knew a year ago, almost a year ago. Again, FBI Director Christopher Ray said, they completed their investigation and gave the White House the complete report with all the evidence of domestic violence in July 2017. And yet the White House still wants us to believe that they didn't know anything about it until last Tuesday when the Daily Mail re, re, uh, released its first story. And the next day, Wednesday, when the photo came out, they said, is when John Kelly first learned about it. Again, that's a lie. The final report was given to the White House in July. John Kelly saw it when he took office, and John Kelly kept Rob Porter there, knowing he'd been accused of domestic violence, knowing he was told by the FBI that they could not give him a top security clearance for that reason, and he kept him there in a temporary security clearance. And now, adding more just damning evidence against John Kelly is that it was John Kelly himself as chief of staff who last October said, nobody else, nobody can work at the White House without a permanent, permanent top security clearance. So he changed 
The rule allowing people to operate for a while with a temporary security clearance said that is no longer the case in the White House. And all the time, he leaves his buddy Rob Rob Porter there. So, they again, not only can they can't get their story straight, right now they're just caught in a great big coll- collective, collective fat, fat lie. Uh, and the question is, uh, how long can uh, Chief of Staff John Kelly survive? Will he survive? Uh, I'm not sure that he will. There are lots of rumors that uh, the president is already talking about and perhaps even interviewing replacements for him. I'm not sure that he will survive, uh, but I don't think he should survive. Uh, he's the one who uh, knew about it and did nothing about it. Take a quick break from the news of the day, which we'll get back to uh, soon enough. But we want to welcome um, a very important guest, uh, a great friend from the head of the National Urban League, former mayor of New Orleans as well, the Honorable Mark Morial here hey, in the Bill, studio. Good to, good to nice be with to you. see you. And How hey, are you? Thank you for it's your been voice. A while. And, uh, good to see you. Incredible career and great work. Well, always, we had a good run. Always love watching you and hearing you. And uh, well, thank you. Uh, your your strong voice and principled voice. Well, and I tell you what, uh, I'm not sto- I'm not about to stop. Do either. not stop. In <laughs> fact, you know what? Put the pedal to the metal. <laughs> you bet it. Right. right, right. Good to be with so you this, this morning. So this is. Um, Black History Month. I'm yeah. sure you mm-hmm. were down at the White House yesterday, right, uh, mm-hmm. celebrating with the president. I didn't get invited. You didn't get invited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't get well. invited. Uh, we'll we'll be celebrating uh, Black History uh, Month later today uh, with the unveiling of the uh, new Frederick Douglass portrait, uh, which is an event taking place today. It's taking place. Oh, that's uh, wonderful! Uh, right. Over at the, uh, I think it's at the Capitol Visitor Center, mm-hmm. and uh, it is uh, an event being done. Uh, at Emancipation Hall at the Capitol Visitor Center. It's the 200th anniversary of the birth of Frederick Douglass, and you remember the president. Uh, uh, well, he not, says he, more and more people are about thought Frederick Douglass didn't realize hearing it. about Frederick yeah. Douglass and, and following him, and yeah. he's emerging and, as and, he's well, emerging as a great leader, right? Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, we have, it's uh, good to be uh, be able to uh, celebrate a great American, Frederick. Absolutely, Douglass. Mr. Uh, Mayor. There's a uh, uh, right near here, I don't know how well you know Capitol Hill in Washington. Mm-hmm. There's a great park, Lincoln Park. Yes, I know Lincoln Park. And it's park. the first statue of Abraham Lincoln in that park, which the money was was money was raised by uh, freed slaves yes. to erect that statue. Yes. And when it was uh, inaugurated or whatever, Frederick Douglass was there. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah Frederick Douglass yeah, so was a resident of Washington mm-hmm. for a long yep. time. Got a little and, uh, house right over here on Capitol and Hill. And was a U.S. ambassador to Haiti. And actually, a, a fact I just I discovered really in the last 10 years is that he was nominated for vice president of the United States in 1852. Whoa. Uh, on the platform, I can't remember the party platform, but he mm. was actually nominated for vice president. So uh, one of my historian friends, uh, Jim Basker, uh, believes that Douglas and Lincoln were the most important Americans of uh, the 19th century, of the 1800s. Uh, and it's hard for us in, in, to really recognize that how prominent, how well-read, how, uh, mm-hmm. how, how Douglas was a prominent and well-known American. Now, born, you know, on the eastern shore of, yes. Maryland, of uh, Maryland here, and and where he went and was just a, just a, you know traveling the country and right. was a very right. very powerful figure and at that escaped time, from so. slavery and uh, found yep. his way up to New York Rochester mm-hmm. founded a newspaper was once an ally of William Lloyd Garrison and 
sort of became independent with his own newspaper. So it, it'll be great to celebrate Black History Month in the most appropriate way right. and that, in yeah. a way that has uh, historic integrity by celebrating the life of Frederick Douglass. You, you're up to many things, I know, but yeah. you have a new podcast. Tell yeah. us about well, it. Well, like but... you, uh, we have to get our voice out in every way possible. Absolutely. And uh, what technology, I think, Bill, has done is allows David to battle Goliath. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, multiple ways in which we've used technology. Our new podcast, uh, For the Movement, will give us uh, an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. into the issues of the day, whether it's uh, uh, what ha- what is happening at the White House, uh, whether it's uh, uh, gerrymandering and the census and voter suppression, whether it's the FBI's targeting of black activists. Uh, this will be an opportunity for us to dig a lot deeper, whether it's an opportunity for us to showcase some of the work that Urban League affiliates do around the country to put people to work and help young people get into college. We are going to showcase what we call the Urban League movement and our voice mm. and our thoughts on public policy. So I'm very excited about yeah, it. Great, uh, great. And uh, we're going to have. And I'm a, sure you can find the podcast. So it's for the movement. For right? the movement, yeah. It'll be it, Google it. Play, iTunes, yeah, every, anywhere that... every place nowadays that you can look. So we'll be we'll be refreshing the content. Uh, on a weekly basis now, mm-hmm. and of course over time. And you're uh, going to be doing the uh, Don Cravens, and, and uh, who is head of our Washington Bureau, mm-hmm. along with myself, along with Kim Atterbury and Jordan Lawrence, the four of us uh, are going to be uh, sort of co-hosting and moderating the podcast. And I'll have a segment every week uh, called uh, the To Be Equal Moment, where I'll give commentary and thoughts on a, on a pressing issue. So... I have to say that as a, we have our own, of course, podcast, the Bill Press Show, mm-hmm. we welcome the competition. Hey, but you know, we it's, welcome it's, to the to the field. But you know, you're right. You've got to be like we are on every platform these yes, days. Yes. You know, you can't just have a radio show, right? We got the radio. We have the webcast. TV with free speech. We got the webcast. We got the podcast. You know, we got I Twitter. Think it's we got Facebook. You got to be out and, there. And you know, I over. think people yeah. not only have choices, but there are a lot of people as I've as I've as I've talked to people who spend a lot of time listening to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think podcasts that are the fastest people, growing. Yes, and people want to dial up uh, a conversation about issues that they're concerned about, and they want the choices. And sometimes it's an option from cable television. It's an option from surfing the internet. Uh, it also gives you an opportunity to do something, you know, with your headphones on, to listen mm-hmm. while you might be traveling, while you might be commuting. Uh, sure. While you might oh, yeah. be driving, I guess podcasting is okay while you're driving. I don't know what the <laughs> text and drive crowd crowd thinks about it, but I, I really, really believe that in these times, we need your voice, we need our voice, we need every voice on social justice issues, on economic issues, on a progressive, forward-thinking vision of our nation. Now, I know you were not at the White House yesterday. You weren't invited, neither was I. What? What's it feel like to see Black History Month being celebrated by Donald Trump? It, it seems clumsy to me, actually, Bill. I think that uh, uh, I've said this, that uh, I was asked, can the president's relationship or his views of black America be redeemed? I say, And I think the president has to educate himself uh, because his statements, and this is all, seem to be rooted in stereotypes negative media mm-hmm. stereotypes. And I think it's important that every president 
uh, know what they don't know and try to learn and educate themselves. Look, there's an incredible museum uh, on the mall, the African, the Smithsonian oh. African American Museum. Uh, one could spend three hours in there, four Easy. hours in there, Easy. five yeah. hours in there, spend some time in there with Lonnie Bunch, the director, and learn about black America and understand the contributions of black America. And I think a president and a leader of the country in 21st century America has to understand the contributions in the history of all uh, groups, all communities, all ethnicities, and has to understand that Donald Trump grew up uh, in New York, is a product of New York and Queens and Manhattan, and uh, I, I don't, I, I doubt if he's had great experiences visiting with and talking with people all across the nation. So it, it, it it's, it's a look. I, I think the White House and whether it's Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, the presidents with whom. Uh, I work most closely with or had relationships with, mm-hmm. uh, there's always been an appropriate, if you will, uh, celebration of Black History Month. I think uh, I was, to be honest with you, until you asked me just now, yeah. I wasn't even aware that something happened at the White House yesterday, given that the news has been oh, about a right. whole range of other yeah. uh, right. scandals and drama. Uh, well, So you, you speak about Donald Trump growing up in, in, in Queens. We also know his history, and it's not a, a great history when it comes. Pretty well, shameful the company, when it comes. His, his company, you know, his was, company was, was tagged sued. for discrimination, discrimination back in the 1970s. Him the and fact his that father. New York Urban League was involved uh, uh, in that litigation in that back league. in the 1970s. That was in the 70s. You know, the whole Central Park Five, where he was taking that full-page ad saying these five African-American kids were guilty, they ought to be given the death penalty, even after they'd been cleared by DNA evidence, all of them found not guilty. Don Trump said, still, you know, don't believe him, the whole thing. And then you go on to Charlottesville, the comments in Charlottesville, and then his comments about uh, those S-hole countries, right? Um, uh, you know... But let me tell you also the the thing that doesn't that show a lot of probably understanding, or respect. understanding or respect. But the thing that really uh, got me uh, was the birther movement. Oh, the, yeah. I thought yeah. that the birther movement was one of the most irresponsible uh, character assassinations uh, in modern American history, and it was a veiled attempt uh, by Trump and some of his uh, devotees and cohorts, right? to elevate the fact in trying to tell Americans Barack Obama, quote unquote, is not one of us. It was cheap, it was a smear campaign, and at the end, like so many of these uh, attacks, there was not one scintilla of truth Mm -hmm. in any of it, but it was persistent. Now, let's be honest. Five years. But let's be honest too, Bill, the mainstream media followed Donald Trump around like a puppy dog mm-hmm. when he kicked up the birther controversy. So I think sometimes it takes two to tangle. And I think had the had the media said, okay, Trump, we'll give you an opportunity to put your evidence put on up the or table. Show up. Put up, put or up shut, shut up. up. And then yeah. after that, they should not have covered, they should not have given any platform uh, to him in his attempt to use that controversy to elevate himself and elevate himself uh, with, 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 with far-right Americans. Right. I was there at the White House when uh, the day that the, uh, the, the 
whoever it was, the White House counsel or whoever, came back from Hawaii with a long-form birth certificate, handed it out to us in the White House briefing room. Donald Trump said he still didn't believe it. Well, He, it, he, he apro- continued after that. Even. Apropos to the Central Park Five, apropos to the allegations uh, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the evidence and the conduct about misogyny, uh, I think there's a mindset that I'll deny, 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 and that's evidence of, of, of his character. You know, Bill, I, uh, you know, in these times, uh, the work of the Urban League also has to focus on what I call actions taking place uh, that are beyond the media that are reversing past gains. Uh, actions mm-hmm. at the Justice Department to reverse course on things like criminal justice reform. Uh, some actions at other agencies, which are really designed to undercut some of the hard work and some of the gains that have been achieved over years on civil rights and economic justice. Uh, You now see a budget being proposed which would emasculate important programs, emasculate uh, the safety net of respect, Medicaid, Medicare, Mm -hmm. and and things like this. Now, good news is is that Congress has virtually ignored the president's uh, budget blueprint for the first uh, 14, 15 months he's been in office and has written their own budget, and I think that they'll do it again. Right. So you, you just alluded to it. I mean, you're not only, uh, not only dealing with Donald Trump with his questionable history in the White House, but as Attorney General of the United States, Jeff Sessions, who has not necessarily been a friend of the African-American community. I mean, he's the one who said he thought the Voting Rights Act, right, was a— whatever, unnecessary or frivolous piece of legislation, which is a, I mean, that was Martin well, Luther King's key. And not only that, the Voting Rights Act was a, was a, was a bill to perfect democracy. The <laughs> yeah. Voting Rights Act yeah. was a bill that said that although the 50th Amendment had been passed 100 years later, the country had ignored its dictates. The Voting Rights Act was a, a pillar uh, of not only the civil rights movement, but in, in the effort to expand democracy. Look, Bill, in the 20th century, you know, our foremothers, forefathers, uh, the great movements expanded democracy multiple times. The right to vote being given to women by constitutional mm-hmm. amendment. The abolition of the poll tax by constitutional amendment. Conferring the right to vote on 18-year-olds by a constitutional amendment. The Voting Rights Act, ensuring uh, the right to vote to African-Americans and a system of protections Mm -hmm. by empowering the Justice Department to enforce uh, the right to vote. All of those represented. Now we see an effort to uh, restrict, roll it back, voter suppression, uh, modern-day grandfather clauses and voter ID and cut back on early voting and restrictions on the right of groups like the League of Women Voters or the National Urban League or community-based groups to conduct voter registration drives. Uh, democracy, you know, this, this foundation of America is under assault. And sometimes I believe that all of the scandal and drama that takes place is a head fake that keeps mm-hmm. people's attention off of what is really, really taking place. It's not only taking place in Washington. It's taking place at the state level, in state legislature after state legislature. Uh, I was down in Florida uh, over the weekend and uh, and learned of efforts in Florida 
to strip away the right to organize and the collective bargaining rights of public employees mm-hmm. who are teachers uh, taking place in Florida. This is a long-term, uh, if you will, uh, effort uh, to, uh, to rewrite uh, the rules of the road, to rewrite, uh, if you will, the operating principles for the country for the 21st century. And that's why the resistance to it, which is a principled resistance, mm-hmm. it should not be, uh, be, be seen only as blue versus red politics. It should be principled resistance to anything that undercuts the gains we made as a nation uh, in the 20th century, which have made life better, which have improved things, notwithstanding all the challenges we face, not just for African-Americans, people of color, but for all Americans, uh, for women, for LGBT, but for all Americans, because it makes democracy stronger when everyone has a full seat at the table and participates in it. Right. I mean, that's a very, very important point, which I do think gets lost and a lot of people are unaware of, that with all this storm and drama, you know, about a little scandal here, a little scandal there, or a tweet here, a tweet there, I mean, there's a fundamental attack on our fundamental democratic institutions yes. that and I think people had better really be aware of and resist. Look, right? we had... Uh, the right to vote is central to, look, this, look, central to that. Look, central... Or a, a a a component of this was the Russians seeking to interfere oh, yeah. and yeah. continuing to interfere in our elections. The idea that foreign governments are going to quote unquote begin endorsing candidates for the American presidency, for seats in Congress, uh, the idea that foreign governments will seek to use. Uh, if you will, any means necessary to manipulate Mm -hmm. public Mm -hmm. opinion in the United States, to pit people against. Americans have, I'm outraged by that because it goes hand in hand with voter suppression. It goes hand in hand uh, with a spurious attempt to suppress the vote, discourage certain people from voting, uh, Russian interference and foreign interference. Uh, This attacks democracy, and we have to realize, no matter how good, the economy, quote unquote, gets democracy is the foundation of America, and we cannot lose its basic precepts and its basic principles. And I hope that American people will send a powerful message in the 18 election by voting in huge, overwhelming numbers. Yeah, one vote. Way. I call it vote with a vengeance. Bring your vengeance. Bring your bring your bring your passion to the ballot box and cast your vote in the 2018 That's elections. when we'll find out if the resistance is really real. I think we're seeing signs of it already when we picked up but the— But people, but, Bill, have got to understand you can't leave your activism on the Internet. Yeah, you can't yeah. leave your activism at the kitchen table. Amen. You can't yeah. leave your activism at the bus stop or at the water cooler or at the community center or on the street corner. Uh, you've got to bring it into the ballot box, uh, and you've got to express your point of view— by voting for can- a candidate of your choice or bill, if necessary, the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and too often, too often. Or the lesser. <laughs> yeah, the lesser too evil. But it's okay. That's all right. That's right. That's right. You're voting. Make a choice. You're voting. Make a choice, right. Uh, that is such such an important message. For the movement, for the movement is the uh, podcast. We can find the new podcast of the National Urban League. Uh, tell us just a little bit before you go about the work of the uh, Urban League. That's such so, a very powerful thing. I've always and, been so impressed look, with that the, equal sign. Yes, the it, Urban League it, is unique among historic civil rights organizations. We were founded in twenty in, in nineteen ten 
a year after the NAACP. Both the National Urban League and the NAACP were founded by a biracial group of founders. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ours was Ruth Standish Baldwin, who was a a suffragette, George Edmund Haynes, an African-American social worker, founded the National Urban League. Today, we operate through a network of 90 affiliates Hmm. in 36 states and the District of Columbia. We provide direct services to people, job training, workforce development, after-school programs, uh, home buyer education or housing counseling, well, entrepreneurship So programs. not just policy, you're action, you're yes, active we on are, the ground. We huh? are a yeah. do tank in community after mm. community in this nation. And we're advocates and social engineers. So we combine, and very few organizations combine the two. Yeah. We combine yeah. the two, and then we do a seminal research report every year called the State of Black America, which defines, if you will, the conditions of the country. So we're strong today. We've had, within the Urban League, a youth movement, Bill. We've had uh, a, a, an exciting new generation of local leaders, an exciting uh, transformation of our staff. Uh, we like to say that we're a big tent civil rights organization because we have seasoned veterans uh, and we and have new, new people. Yeah. Uh, we have blacks, whites, Hispanics, and Asians. Uh, we touch... Uh, Everyone, while we have a historic focus on the African-American community, uh, we like to believe we advocate and serve, in addition to that, to all people of disadvantage in this country. So we are incredibly strong today uh, uh, and, and, and on the front lines of this uh, uh, effort to protect our progress in America. And the, uh, the the website is uh, nul.org. 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 Google us and follow us on Twitter, at Nat Urban League. There you go. And look, also, uh, look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Look, we're all over like you're all over. Yeah, and, and on the new podcast. And a new podcast for, for the movement. movement. Catch now, us on iTunes, Google Play, every platform. And if you want to learn more, go to our website. You can find more details at nul.org. All right. The Honorable Mark Morial. So, so good of you to stop keep by. All right. All yeah, right. you keep up Thank the fight. You, I'll be right there all alongside right. of you. God bless you. Thanks, Mayor. Thank you. Right. Good. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back here with uh, the rest of the news of the day on this Wednesday, February 14. Uh, Happy Valentine's. Bill Fresh Show. We'll be right back. From the pews to the picket lines, African-American civil rights champions have brought out the best in America, calling us to live up to our founding creed and to the truth that we are all made equal by God. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say? Here we go. Continuing. Uh, what a great visit with uh, the Honorable Mark Morial, former mayor of New Orleans, now head of the uh, National Urban League. Uh, by the way, man. To come in here the morning after Mardi Gras? Oh, I know. I I, I ran out of time. I wanted to ask him about that. You know, I. <laughs> That's gutsy. You know, he didn't come from New Orleans. Or I don't else, think uh, so. Uh, uh, no, not indeed. Hey, folks. Uh, while we're at it, uh, Valentine's. Do yourself a great favor. Give yourself a great Valentine's gift. How about a copy of my new book called "From the Left: Life in the Cross"? Indeed, uh, we've been telling you about this. Comes out next month. But we've got uh, advanced copies available, signed copies. Get your order in today. Uh, go to BillPressShow.com. Uh, and it's uh, it's great fun. Had a lot of fun writing it. It's just uh, 
a lot of the stuff that I've been up to so far, going from my uh, early days growing up in Delaware through uh, good times studying in the uh, seminary for the priesthood, and then on to politics in California, working with uh, Jerry Brown. And I talk about the days, uh, early Jerry Brown days, the first Jerry Brown administration. Uh, and uh, this is a time when uh, Jerry was dating uh, Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'll tell you about kind of what our schedule was and where we hung out and uh, what it was like <laughs> hanging around with the uh, greatest rock star at the time uh, with the uh, sexiest governor at the time. So uh, <laughs> there, there, there we were. Uh, at any rate, uh, that and many, many, many more great stories. Uh, a, a little blurb on the front from um, Bernie by Bernie Sanders. And again, we've made this uh, bo- the book available for just for you, our listeners and our viewers uh, at. Uh, on our website, uh, BillPressShow.com, for a great price of forty percent off, sixteen seventy nine. By the way, I went, I looked on Amazon the other day. Amazon's selling it at the top list price, full price. No, get it on our website, BillPressShow.com, at forty percent off for sixteen seventy nine. Signed. I was going to say it's going to be signed. Yeah, that's, be that's the big difference. Signed, which means then you can turn around and sell it on eBay. <laughs> I mean, you know, kind of, what exactly. the hell? At any rate, good to have you with us. BillPressShow.com. Bill Press from the left. A life in the crossfire. It's an easy, easy link which you'll see and take you right there. In fact, uh, and on that page is a review of the book uh, that's out. That's a pretty good review too. Anyway, uh, thank you and enjoy the book. Uh, We've been at it for a little bit before we uh, talk about Rob Porter, before we talk to, uh, uh, um, <laughs> I want to call him Mayor, Mark Morial. You know, once a mayor, always a mayor. Exactly. We'll get back to the rest of the news of the day. But first, Peter. Yes, indeed. We got a couple of comments here on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. First of all, a couple of comments about... Uh, Mayor Morial, they yeah. really, really love the voting with a vengeance line. I vote, like that, vote too. Vote with a vengeance. Take that all the I way like to it. November. You know, uh, fine. You know, it's such an important point because the resistance is so important. The marches are so important. The protests are so important. Getting on Twitter and Facebook and everything, that is all so important, just being pissed off and raising hell. But if you don't vote, it's all a waste of of time. None of it matters, yeah, if it doesn't, if you don't right. actually t- make it, make something happen. Uh, Joey Olivia weighs in on Trump, quote, we have a massively overweight eight-year-old in the White House. That's the only comment that he has to say. I think, I think that says a lot. That says a lot. That's all you need to know. NC Nomad says, how did Trump pass a security clearance? I had a secret clearance with a defense contractor once, and they pulled my life apart. No way Trump could actually get a clearance. Well, well, by the way, he doesn't have one. Right. Meaning- he was never officially given a security clearance. He, he, they just assumed, right, when, if he's elect, pardon, if he's elected, that you can trust him. Yeah. And then he turns around in the Oval Office and gives away intelligence secrets to the to Russians. The Russians. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't. Pa- By the way, he wouldn't. He of all people would never qualify for a security clearance. Yeah, that's a good point. He doesn't have a security clearance, and of course, he didn't have to have a mental exam either, (laughs) or he wouldn't have passed that. (laughs) One other quick comment from Melanie Miller on Rob Porter. She says, uh, don't forget, Porter worked for Orrin Hatch before he worked for Donald Trump. Just another evil white man. Uh, Wait a minute. Don't forget, when this first came out, Orrin Hatch's first comment was, how terrible that a good man like that be dragged through the mud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron Hatch, he he defended him more full throated than John Kelly did, yeah. So so there you go, right? Um, by the way, uh, 
Peter, you uh, start out there with uh, well, the one comment, anyhow, about the importance of voting. Um, and we've talked before about uh, the blue wave that is uh, striking across this country. Uh, there was a state Senate seat, remember, in Missouri last week, picked up. Uh, thirty That made 35, that one in Missouri, state legislative seats that have been flipped from red to blue, including that seat in uh, Missouri that Donald Trump carried by 28 points, flipped from red to blue, 35 of them since Donald Trump took the White House. Well, yesterday in Florida, uh, I might have missed one, but this is certainly 36, if not 37. Uh, In Florida yesterday, there was another state Senate seat in the Florida, I'm sorry, this is a House seat, in the Florida House. It's really worth, uh, worth celebrating. Down in the Sarasota area, uh, that is Trump country, that uh, Gulf Coast. Uh, and this was the 70 House seat number 72. Uh, Margaret Good, a Democrat, beat a Republican incumbent by the name of John Buchanan. Uh, she beat him by uh, seven and a half points yesterday, flipping that House seat. And this is the third in a row uh, in a week in Florida. The mayor of St. Petersburg... Democrat won, but then the another seat, and there's a state Senate seat in Miami-Dade, state Senate seat 40 uh, in Miami-Dade last week, which also flipped from blue red to blue. So the blue wave is hitting states that Donald Trump carried. We've seen it, Missouri, we've seen it in uh, Iowa, we've seen it in Oklahoma, seen it in Florida. Uh, there's something real going on. Coast to coast, north, south, east, west, people are pissed off at Donald Trump, uh, or they're afraid of Donald Trump. They're angry at Donald Trump, and they are showing that by going out and lining up behind these good progressive candidates, and it's working. It's working. So let's hope that that just carries through through the congressional midterms and the Senate midterms. The thing that I also find so... Refreshing about all this and so exciting about all this is that these are not necessarily, in some cases they are, but not all the time. These are not neoliberal squishes. Like they are going back to the the model of old Democrats, classic Democrats, where they are like, look, it's it's sort of like the Bernie Sanders message. I was going to say, these are very Bernie Sanders. A lot of these people are our revolution backed, uh, the great organization uh, led by Nina Turner. Uh, uh, that Bernie founded, and uh, they're they're and not only them. MoveOn.org, Indivisible, Emily's List. They're recruiting these candidates, but and these aren't like seasoned politicians either. Most most of these people have never run for office before. They're strong progressives. Um, they're Bernie Bros and Bernie Gals or whatever, <laughs> and uh, and they're winning. They're winning, and that's the message. And and if Democrats stick to that message. I think they're going to do very well uh, in the uh, in, in the midterms. And I sure. think that, look, there have been so uh, many Democrats that have won statewide and nationwide where they just sort of said, we're going to give up on those areas, right? Like, th- this is Trump country. This recent one in Florida, as you yeah, said, like, yeah. this is Trump country. And a lot of Democrats just think, well, we're never going to win those people. We need to just give up and, and focus elsewhere. We need to focus where we can win. And it's just not true. Right. It's just yeah. not true. Mm-mm, no. Got to got to run, 
we've we told you, we've heard you've heard him here on the show. Uh, Chairman Tom Perez of the DNC say every zip code counts. Every zip code, every Senate district, every House district, uh, in in at the state legislative level, every congressional district, uh, every one counts, and got to have a strong candidate in each one of them, and they will. So, a um, couple of other things we haven't yet uh, touched on today, by the way. Uh, Stormy Daniels, remember her? She gets uh, kind of lost in the news, but uh, that was a one-day story. But it came back up yesterday because, so the last, or, pardon me, the last time we heard about Stormy Daniels, uh, who signed a confidentiality agreement so she can't talk about the details of her affair with Donald Trump, which started a year after Melania Trump had given birth to, or a year after they were married. Yeah. 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 Just after she'd given birth to Barron, Donald Trump's having his affair with Stormy Daniels. And we were told that she was paid $130,000 to keep her mouth shut and not talk about the affair. That was her confidentiality agreement. Yesterday, uh, the president's attorney, Michael Cohen, says, yes, she was paid $130,000. He paid her, he says, out of his own pocket that and was never reimbursed by Donald Trump for paying her $130,000. If you believe that, you are a bigger idiot than Donald Trump. Who among us doesn't yeah. have that one friend who will loan us right. $130,000? Yeah. Lend you. No, no, no. no, no just, no, just pay the, yeah, yeah, right. the, the $130,000 yeah. to right. get us out of a little hot water. Uh, how would anybody be so dumb as to believe that, right? I mean, so, yeah. Imagine that conversation. Donald Trump says, hey, you know, God, I'm, I just had this affair with this porn star. And, uh, you know, God, I don't want that to come out. We got to we got to pay her off. We got to shut her up. So. Would you give her $130,000? Yeah. Thanks. That's a hell of a friend. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> it, like, it defies everything, right? It's brazen. It's certainly brazen. Yeah. And he, the per- attorney, expects, expects us to believe that. I can understand. You pay her, and the next time you bill me, you just, which it, you know is exactly what they did. Of course. Yeah, billable hours, right? Suddenly, maybe not all at once, but over time, he got that 130. You know he did. Yeah. God, there's such a bunch of liars, I'm telling you. Uh, at any rate, uh, I love that story. Um, on a more serious note, what about Russian meddling in the election? Well, um, <clears throat> the intelligence chiefs yesterday... CIA, FBI, Director of National Intelligence, Daniel Coates, they appeared in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and they were asked, okay, we know the Russians um, tried to meddle, uh, did meddle in our election, and tried to influence the outcome of our election, presidential election in 2016. Again, as we were talking about with uh, Mayor Mark Morial, um, undermining our most fundamental democratic institution, which is our election process. Um, now, what are they, are they doing anything this year? Uh, that question was thrown to Christopher Ray yesterday um, by Senator Jack Reed of Rhode Island. Uh, and the question is, though, are they added for the uh, active in the midterms? And are we doing anything about it? Here's their exchange. We're taking a lot of specific efforts to blunt uh, Russian effort. directed by the president. Uh, not not as specifically directed <laughs> by the president. Right. That pause between that, his oh, question and his answer. Just, 
just killer. Yeah. Pretty right. brutal. Pretty brutal indeed. So, yeah, the news is, again, uh, and it's, um, here's a headline in the, uh, in, in the, in the New York Times, Russia at work on U.S. midterms, spy chiefs warn. Fear is that adversaries see the chance to build on the gains of 2016. So what we learned yesterday is, yes, the Russians know that they, uh, they, they, they caused a lot of problems in 2016. Uh, they had a lot of success. Hell, they got their guy in the White House, right? Can't be more successful than that. And building on that success, they're now already out there, already trying to, through social media, particularly, to plant seeds of doubt, to, to sway the midterm elections. We know that that's happening, and we hear from the director of the FBI that the White House is, meaning the government, is doing nothing about it. How can they do anything about it? Donald Trump still hasn't acknowledged that the Russians did anything wrong in 2016. He hasn't acknowledged that they did it, he hasn't condemned them for doing it. And remember when the Congress passed tougher sanctions on Russia for doing that, Donald Trump opposed putting tougher sanctions on Russia for meddling our, in our election in 2016. So it's, it's likely going to happen all over again. It's already happening in 2018, uh, and we are doing nothing about it. Um, by the way, they're using bots. What's a bot? What's a bot? It's a machine that sends out... Well... I mean, it's... I'm, so I'm, part of this is like the fake Twitter accounts or the fake Facebook yeah, right. accounts, and they, there's no actual human running right. yet. That's so they just sort what of... Count, I, those, yeah, yeah, those are the bots that they're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. They're like these machines on Wall Street that just automatically yeah. make investments, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we're going to see more of them in, in, in like a lot of other different areas. Like there was one, I just saw a story about a, a bot, right? It's a smart bot that essentially balances your checkbook for you and tells you where you spent your money, how you could spend it a little more wisely because everything's all categorized in your bank statement. And it just sort of takes a look at it and figures it out for you. Whoa. Right? Like if you if that's your problem, like if whatever your problem is, there is a bot currently being right. <laughs> developed to help you. So this is classic AI. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In a lot of cases, yes. Uh, and um, by the way, the, kind of a related story, I guess. Uh, just uh, day before yesterday, maybe it was yesterday morning, front page of the New York Times was that China has uh, decided that artificial intelligence is their number one priority. They want to be the world leader in artificial intelligence. And they have, they have, as only China can do, put all these resources into it, developing it, moving it forward. They want to, be, they want to, they want to own the world of artificial intelligence. And what are we doing as a nation uh, to, to lead in that area? Nothing. Yeah. So we're doing nothing about the efforts of the Russians to interfere in our election. We're also doing nothing to really to lead the world in the field of artificial intelligence, which is where everything is going, where everything is going. Interesting, I was in New York last night at a program 
uh, I spoke, I had a, a, a dinner at, at our, at the dinner party was, um, a gentleman who's general counsel of the firm Novellus, uh, which is, which the largest manufacturer of aluminum. And they sell aluminum now, not just to Pepsi and to diet and to Coca-Cola and everything for cans. But cars, more and more cars. The F-150, Ford F-150 is made like almost entirely of aluminum. Now, the point here is, <laughs> I'm getting to the point, that he went to the plant where they make the F-150, and he said you can't move like on the floor because there are robots going all over the place. So it's like the whole assembly line, just robots. And you can't get close because the robots are... But they have the same number of jobs, 6,000, now that they had before. But now the workers are taking care of the robots. <laughs> and course. the robots are building the cars. Of course. But that's fascinating. Yeah, to me. that's kind of where we yeah. are. I Somebody guess. has to keep the robots whatever oiled, fueled. They got put fuel. I don't know yeah, what retrain they retrain those workers to do stuff, sure. Yeah, they re- sort of retrain the workers, same number of workers, but they're doing different jobs. Think about that as you get into your car uh, this morning <laughs> that a robot built that car. Robot built that car. Yeah. Uh, think of that uh, when you get in your car. <laughs> Uh, a year from now, and the robot will be driving yeah, right, your yeah, car. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, wow, so much to talk about. And by the way, why aren't, with what's going on with uh, climate change or global warming, why isn't the media reporting more about it? Media Matters has done a big study on that. We'll find out here at the top of the next hour. And then Hunter Walker covers the White House for Yahoo News. will be coming along to give us his take on Sarah Sanders and all the lies about Rob Porter. The Bill Press Show. Stay with us. One more hour coming up. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. The FBI director says that everything the White House has been telling us about when they learned about Rob Porter and his domestic violence uh, is all a big lie. Mm, yeah. Why are we surprised? Hello, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Great to see you on this Wednesday, February 14. Uh, the Bill Press Show booming out to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill With all the news of the day, as always, you know how it works. We'll tell you what's going on. You tell us what you think about it, what it means to you, to your family, to your community, by sending us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Um, We've got lots and lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. Uh, The director of the FBI yesterday uh, telling the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, that they had finished their report on Rob Porter and his domestic violence last July, 
and they actually gave the White House the preliminary copy of their findings in March of 2017, almost a year ago, uh, with the White House still insisting as recently as yesterday. They didn't learn about it until last Tuesday. Again, big fat lie. And the Senate, uh, I mean, the head of the, uh, the our intelligence agencies testifying in front of the Senate yesterday uh, telling us that Russia is already at work trying to meddle in the 2018 midterms, and the White House is doing nothing about it. Oh, my God. So much to talk about, and we will jump right into it. Uh, our guest this half hour from the great organization Media Matters for America, uh, Lisa Hymas. Hello, Lisa. Nice to see you. Hi. Thanks for having me You've on. done a lot of work on climate change, which uh, I'm have. very interested in, and we, all of us are, and we will... Uh, I want to hear about that report and your latest findings on how much attention the media has played to the important issue of climate change. But first, we get the top headlines the from court press. Peter Ogburn. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Time to take a look at the Olympics, which were yes. underway yesterday. Sean White. Uh-huh. Brought home the gold of the men's uh, snowboard halfpipe. What a performance by Sean White. Now, there's a whole story about yeah, how he got He's kind of an old man. Here. Yeah, you know, right. He's 31. 31 Jesus. years old now. God, and there yeah. was actually a great profile at the end of, uh, or uh, about midway through last year. He had a pretty serious crash on the, uh, on the snowboard. And mm-hmm. he wasn't sure if he was going to keep going or not. He ended up putting up a perfect score of 100 during the qualifying mm-hmm. round for the Olympics. So how was he going to do last night? Could he bring home another gold medal? Yes, he did. He scored a 97.75, <laughs> put him at the top of the leaderboard, and it clinched his third Olympic gold medal in the event. Now, not only was it his third gold medal in the Winter Olympics, it was the United States' 100th gold medal overall, right? In the history of the Winter Olympics, we now have 100 gold really? medals. Who has the most in the history of uh, the Winter Olympics? Do you I have know. a do you? Norway. Norway has the most. Norway has the most. They have 118. Uh, by the way, the record for the most gold in a single game uh, was 14 by Canada in the 2010 Winter Olympics. So where does that put us on the leaderboard? Germany is still on top. They have six golds, two this silvers. Year, this year. This uh-huh. year, yes. Uh, they have six golds, two silver, and two bronze for a total of 10 <laughs> medals. The Netherlands have five gold, four silver, and two bronze with a total of 11. And the United States has four gold, one silver, two bronze. So that is your Olympic update. I mean, you've been, I, mean I, I get so sucked into the Olympics, Bill. I love it. I, I got to tell you, I would not get on a snowboard, number one. But if I got on a snowboard, there's no, I mean... The way they fly through the air, it's just uncanny. One of the commentators yesterday was saying that when you see a guy like Sean White or one of these one of these guys go up on the half pipe, yeah. they're falling four stories to get back down. That's where they land. They land four yeah. stories. They get up so high, and they don't land right on the lip, of course. They land down the half pipe a little bit. I know. That it's like falling off of a four-story building. And then they have to reach down and... Touch the board. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. That's or flip part. or whatever. I mean, it's, they, they get points for actually touch. Oh, God. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. 
youtube.com slash the bill press show yep the white house is still insisting that they learned uh, about the domestic uh, violence accusations against staff secretary rob porter just last tuesday when the daily mail uh wrote a story about it yesterday the director of the fbi says uh no that's just not true we told them last march and then we told them again in july of 2017 Another big fat lie on the part of the Trump White House. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's a Wednesday, February 14. It's Valentine's Day. Lots of love from all of us to all of you out there on this Valentine's Day. And thank you, as always, for joining us, uh, not only to find out what's going on, but to tell us what you think about the news of the day. You know how to do so. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, And we are joining you, of course, Coast to coast, uh, every way we can, online, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On the radio, out on the great WCPT in Chicago. And, of course, simulcast on Free Speech TV, coast to coast as well. Uh, it's a big issue, uh, the one that we all care about, uh, climate change and global warming. We talk about it a lot here on the program. Um, yes, uh, on Monday... Uh, the head of the Federal Employees Union representing employees at EPA was here to talk us uh, to tell us a little bit about uh, the lack of attention uh, on the part of Scott Brewitt, who's a climate change denier at EPA. Uh, and then also on Monday, Media Matters uh, issued a new report on how much attention the media has been playing, paying to this important issue. Uh, Lisa Hymas here from Director of Climate and Energy Programs at Media Matters, joining us in studio. Lisa, good to see you. Thanks for having me here. So uh, give us a gist. What was your uh, the uh, executive 30-second summary of your report here? Sure. <laughs> or you can even make it a minute. Or a minute <laughs> or a okay, thanks. Um, we looked at coverage of climate change news on the broadcast TV networks. So um, uh-huh. the, the nightly news shows and Sunday morning shows on ABC, NBC, CBS. Mm-hmm. We also looked at Fox's mm-hmm. Sunday morning show. Um, and basically we found they did not do a great job. They missed a lot of critical stories. Meanwhile, a lot of their climate coverage was just basically about what Trump said about climate change. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you think about last year, it was um, a year of major weather disasters in the U.S. We had three devastating hurricanes Uh, We had wildfires in California and other places that displaced so many people. Those are just the kinds of things that scientists are telling us climate change is going to bring more of. But when the broadcast networks talked about those disasters, they didn't bring up climate change. They brought it up very rarely. So they only talked about climate change in the context of the hurricanes twice, all all the networks combined, during all uh, all of 2017. Really? Yeah. Twice they they made the connection. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they're just not telling people um, they're just not telling people what's going on. I mean, climate change is not just something that's going to happen in the future to our grandkids, you know, far away. It's something that's happening right now. It's bringing devastation to communities in the U.S. right now. And the media just isn't connecting the dots for folks. Is cable doing any better? Um, we didn't look at cable in this study. I would say Fox is definitely doing worse if you're looking at cable. (laughs) By some measures, MSNBC is probably doing the best. CNN's somewhere middling. Mm -hmm. But in in general, we still just don't see enough attention to this. And and when we do see climate change covered, it's often as a political football. 
and and not how climate change affects people in their daily lives. I was I was going to say, no, yeah, you know, so yeah, much of right. the news it, it now just sort of treats the news as a sporting event and what gets the most ratings oh. and what gets people outraged and all of that. And uh yeah, I yeah. just it's it's sad that they just sort of skip over that. Right. Um it, it there's no to me there's no important more important crisis facing the country facing the planet right uh and uh, you would think that it would be the job of the broadcast networks to right. at least inform people of that right yeah exactly That's part of their job right? yeah i mean that is their job a lot of people still you know i mean there are a lot of people who still get their news from tv you know from broadcast tv i mean they have Tens yeah, of millions yeah. of viewers a week, and especially the Sunday shows are really influential in setting the agenda for what people pay attention to. And if they're not covering issues, a lot of people are missing them. And it seems that there are at least two levels. I mean, one is just what's happening with climate change in terms of um, rising temperatures, mm -hmm. rising sea level, glaciers disappearing ice caps melting go go down go down the list right uh just letting people know this this is and the impact on people the impact on wildlife across the board right on crops that's one and then, then the other is the side effects if you will of climate change that we see in the hurricanes in the storms in the in the wildfires in in the weather patterns that we're that, that we're having um and what you're, what I hear you're telling us is that the networks aren't doing a good job of either. Yeah, right? that's right. I mean, we're just um, their focus on climate change is just really narrow. So, I mean, the thing they covered the most last year was Trump pulling out of the Paris Climate Agreement, mm -hmm. and the reason they covered that is because Trump made a spectacle of it. He wanted them to cover it. He he wanted to play to his base. He wanted to tick off the liberals. So he had a big rose garden signing and and invited a bunch of climate deniers into the audience. Um, and so media covered that, but they didn't cover all of the other ways that climate change is affecting people's daily lives. And you did a good job of laying that out. You know, it it affects public health. Um, you know, it affects our infrastructure. Um, it uh, you know, it we have extreme weather events. There are a lot of different ways that climate change can hurt Americans, can hurt our national security, can hurt public health, and we're just not hearing those stories told. I mean, a lot of the coverage was about whether Trump just thinks climate change is a hoax. Mm -hmm. um, right. And networks would, you know, quote him saying it's a hoax. And so, uh, too often they didn't even push back on that. They didn't even say, hey, there's a strong there's actually a strong scientific, overwhelming scientific consensus um, that climate change is caused by humans and is bringing devastating impacts. Did you find that anybody did a good job? Yeah, we did. I mean, of, of the corporate networks, CBS did better than the rest. Um, they did a better job of covering the science behind climate change, of inviting scientists on to explain what's up. Um, we also looked at PBS. Um, I, was, I was going to, uh, that's where I was getting at, whether NPR and PBS. PBS uh, yes. um, was by far the best. Of course, you know, Trump's new budget, he wants to completely cut PBS's uh, funding. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, PBS did a much better job of covering of covering a wide range of issues as they connect to climate change, of um, inviting scientists onto the show to explain um, the science of climate change to the audience. So they're sort of, really, PBS should be a model. So do you the think the networks. networks believe that people don't care? 
I think they're just so fixated on Trump. You know, it's like with so many issues we see this. They just will chase around whatever Trump says and what he tweets about and what the latest scandal is. And um, that's what gets covered. Yeah. But as you point out, too, and what is so frustrating is that if they talk about it, it's only in a political football context. Right. Right. I mean, and the, and the truth is, if they talked about it more, I think people would be more concerned about it. You know, I mean, it's a it's a cyclical thing. You know, the networks might say, well, well, people don't care about climate change. Well, if they informed people more <laughs> about the dangers of climate change, I think people would care more. They would be more concerned. Right. Yeah, I think if people in Miami knew that um, this time next year their condo was going to be underwater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's an exaggeration. But my point right. is, I mean, Miami is already experiencing yeah. flooded streets when there's not when it's not raining and it's not a storm. It's just right. It's part of their daily life now already in parts of Miami. And Miami is spending I don't know billions of dollars trying to keep the seas keep them back. Right. I'm talking about all these kind of seawalls are going to build or, or kind of what New York same way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean so maybe those if, are sort people, of like... if, if the network were informing people more of that um there might be there might be not only better awareness but more political support for doing something about right. climate change. Right. And you you know you see in Miami even you know even Republicans there are getting worried about climate change because it's actually happening. That community is sort of a canary in the you know canary in the coal mine. Look at Miami and, and think about what's coming to the rest of the country mm-hmm. down the line. But um, yeah, they may not realize that when the when the, uh, the when the sea waters rise and they start flooding those kind of buildings that whether you're Republican or Democrat won't matter. You're kind of still going to get wiped out, right? <laughs> yes, that's exactly true. <laughs> it's just like, you know, look at these, look at the tornadoes, right, and the hurricanes. I mean, where tornadoes, tornadoes, I think, for the most part, hit Trump country. Wouldn't you say that, Peter? Yeah, I'd say Tornado Alley is Trump country. Yeah, right? yeah I, I, I think that's, that's probably fair. fair. Yeah, but they don't make the connection that, oh, God, we're supporting a guy who denies the weather patterns that are wiping us out. Right. Well, you know, I, I think part of it is just ignorance on on a lot of our parts of just saying, like, I can't see it right now, therefore it doesn't exist. Right? Like Jim Enhoff, <laughs> I know this is going to get you riled up, but, you know, like when Al Gore would go around and, and would do his Inconvenient Truth talk and he would say, look, like, we're a generation or two away from seeing major, major flooding in major cities, right? But it wasn't happening right then. And people just sort of dismissed it. And so now we are actually seeing major flooding in big cities. Mm -hmm. And now people are just sort of coming up with another reason. Well, that can't possibly be global warming or climate change or anything like that. That's going to be something else, right? Right. So it's just, it's so frustrating that that's just sort of how society has adapted to it instead of with alarm and, oh, my God, we have to do something. Just sort of really casual indifference because, well, I'll be fine. Yeah. And I'm fine right now, and I can't see anything coming at me right now. Therefore, but, I'll be okay. But it seems also that what you're saying, uh, Lisa, is, and uh, you've reported Media Matters, is compounded by the fact um, that you've got a climate denier in the White House, and the Congress isn't doing anything about it either. Right. Yeah. No, the Congress is full of climate deniers as well. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a huge problem. There's no legislation to, do, to, to Right. Uh, and actually. I mean, President Obama did a lot on the executive level more than any other president. 
But during that time, the Congress didn't pass any major climate change legislation. Right. Yeah, Congress I mean, fell down on the job then, yeah. and they're still down. I, I mean, and what's worse is now, of course, the Trump administration and Scott Pruitt at the EPA are winding down and rolling back whatever Obama did manage to do. Um, so we see them, you know, rolling back the clean power plan, which had, which was restricting emissions from coal-fired power plants, which not only makes climate change worse, but makes people's air worse, you know, uh, causes health problems for Americans. Um, you know, they're rolling back rules on on fuel economy for cars uh, that save gas and save Americans money. They're rolling back all kinds of things, but those, um, those rollbacks are not getting the attention they deserve. Uh, the the uh, New York Times yesterday in its uh, analysis of the Trump budget uh, Peter, I know you talked about this yesterday, reports uh, Mr. Trump's fiscal 2019 budget blueprint would pair the Environmental Protection Agency's budget by $2.8 billion, or 34%. 34%, and we had the head of the federal employees at the EPA, John O'Grady, right, um, from the American Federation of Government Employees in the studio Monday who was telling us about this about these employees at the EPA who really are there because they're dedicated to the environment and they really want to do a good job and they just, you know, Pruitt is just cutting the rug out from under them. So anyhow, cut the EPA's budget by 34%. It also eliminates, this is the Trump budget, virtually eliminates all climate change-related programs and would cut the agency's Office of Science and Technology nearly in half from $762 million to $489 million. Right. Yeah, it's shocking. I mean, fortunately, his budget won't become law. Congress gets to write the budgets. But it, it shows you what the priorities are. It shows you what he cares about, and he definitely does not care about climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't care about how Americans are being affected by it. He's interested in protecting the coal industry, interested in protecting the oil and gas industries, um, really just interested in... in Taking off environmentalists. I mean, it's 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 a political football for them. Yeah. And yeah, the, I mean, like John O'Grady okay. had told you, the the devastation at the EPA is so frustrating to see. You know, you've got people there who are doing their best to really protect Americans, um, protect Americans' health um, and their communities, and they're you know they're being silenced, they're being laid off, their offices are being shut down, um, their hands are being tied. It's terrible. So you, you, you've done this study, and um, you know, Matt Gertz, your colleague, uh, is, is in often, does such great work. And he did this study he told us about where he watched um, Fox and Friends every morning and then watched Donald and read Donald Trump's tweets every morning for like six months. And it's just a direct parallel between what Fox and Friends was talking about and what Donald Trump was tweeting about, yeah. sometimes using almost like the exact same words. But issued an important report like that. Now, you've monitored the broadcast networks for how long? A whole year, right? Um, yeah, we do this study every year, but this new right. one is just about 2017. Okay, about 2017. So you, you monitored them. For that. that's, a, that's a lot of work. And I've been to your office many times, and I know you've got a lot of people doing it. And, and thank God, I always say, they're there listening to Rush Limbaugh, so we don't have to. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you do all that work and you put this study out and then what can people do about it? I mean, that's the frustrating thing to me. What you say, I know, is absolutely true, but can you can we get any can you get any response from the networks? 
I mean, um, how, well, and, or, and if so, how? We what do, has to happen? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we, we do think that putting pressure on the networks could help. So, um, you know, sometimes we've had some activists who've, you know, come together with Twitter storms around the hashtag climate silence, like calling on the networks. I like hey, that end, phrase, end climate the, silence. End the climate silence. Yeah. You know, tell people about what's happening. Um, so, you know, it's it's hard to know what gets through, but coverage, at least overall coverage, was up in 2017, even though the coverage wasn't great. It was up from 2016. So if you tell the networks... Um, you know, whether through Twitter, through different social networks, even through calling, you know, just get in touch, try and make your voice heard, say, hey, we want to hear about climate change. We think it's important. Put put pressure on the networks yeah. to say, yeah. That, I mean, they only, it's still stunning that with the broadcast networks, there's still only a half an hour of national news. Yeah. Actually, with you take away the commercials, there's... <laughs> About 20 minutes or something? 20 minutes, yeah. I think, right? Okay. Then, if you take away the fluff, right, there's maybe 10 minutes? Yep. Yeah. 10 or 12? I mean, yeah, it, like, uh, on, that, on that note, right, like, it seems like... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, just, I, <laughs> I was just saying, it, it, just, it, I, it feels like we've gotten to a point where climate deniers are so set in their ways and people who actually believe in climate change and see what's happening, they're set in their ways. And they're just talking past each other. But to that point, Bill, like if there was a national broadcast where people actually got their news and, and look, while televised news and, 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 you know, like the nightly news that you see on all the big uh, channels are sort of going out of style for partly partially what you just said. Right. The fluff and the commercials and stuff like that. Like a lot of people still get their news from there. A lot of people still get the news from there. And if they were to just say, we have a crisis in this country. Yeah. What, what, what is that the could audience, make a difference? Do, do you know for yeah? So the for combined the... audience for the nightly news shows on the three big networks is about twenty four million um, combined. Each night. Yeah, well, combined. And for the Sunday morning shows. By the way, if I can, yeah, that's a lot more people. We, we hear so much about cable news, but that's a lot more people than are watching yeah, cable news. It's many more. Yeah, you know, it's many times more than cable news. I mean, and, you know, it, Bill, Bill O'Reilly at the peak was getting about three million, maybe right. Yeah, I think that's about. And right. he was, uh, he was, he was king, king of cable, right? Right. And yeah. I, I think now, like Rachel and others, are getting a little over a million. You know, the the top shows, right? So, twenty four million watching every night. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot still of a Americans. Huge audience. It's a, way down, but it's still huge. It's it's still influential. And the Sunday morning shows get about eleven. You know, the four Sunday morning shows on broadcast networks get about eleven million um, combined. So again, that's still significant and. And everybody pays attention to the shows to help sort of set the agenda, you know, policymakers, people mm -hmm. in D.C. So those are very influential, can, too. Can but, you imagine if, like, Meet the Press or This Week or one of them just came on and said, hey, this week, all 30 minutes of the show, we're going to do all about climate change. Mm -hmm. And that's it. This is the this is the science, right? You have scientists, you have some lawmakers about what we can do and what's really happening. Can you imagine like what would like what good it would do? I mean, I know there would be a lot of outrage from a lot of deniers, but like the to put that on the plate of a lot of consumer. Well, well, show that first of all, show how bad it is. Show exactly what's going on today, which you cannot deny the evidence. You, as you said, climate change is now. It's not in the future. It's now, and maybe already too late to reverse it. But show how bad it is. What's going on? 
and then put the pressure on them and say, what are you doing about it? You yeah. know, what are you doing about it? And have people on, you know, this is what we've got to do. And, and you know, the Paris Accords goes in the exact opposite direction of that, or pulling out of the Paris Accords, of course. And if you had that, but I, I just want to, just a personal comment on the, on the uh, nightly news. I'm one of those, I don't know why, maybe I just like um, uh, the way things used to be, but um, I watched the evening news every night. Carol and I do. Watch CBS because I, 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 uh, David Muir drives me crazy. Uh, <laughs> I like Lester Holt, but 6.30 works better in our house than 7 o'clock for the nightly news. But my point is, if you watch the first segment of the nightly news, that's all, that's all the news there is. At the end of that first segment, that news show is over. It's still got 20 minutes to go. It's over. All the news is crammed into that top first 10 or 12 minutes. That's it. And the rest is, you know, other stories, some of them interesting, some not, but a lot of fluff stories. And then all the commercials about all the uh, medication that you need. (laughs) (laughs) You don't really need. And all about the side effects. (laughs) It's just, okay. Uh, But so I guess my point is it is such an important, it is such an important audience. And your point it's such an important audience and such an important vehicle for getting the word out there, which they're simply not doing. Yeah, that's right. exactly right. Um, and I love Peter's oh. idea of having the, you know, yeah, take one of these Sunday morning shows and d- dedicate the whole thing to climate change. You know, last year, all of the Sunday shows didn't did not have a single climate scientist on. They didn't have a single climate change. Same thing in 2016. The few years before that, they did have some, but it's been getting worse instead of better. And like, look, they've had the opportunity, as you mentioned earlier, like we saw some horrific weather events and climate related events that happened last year. They have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, they do. A, I mean, Meet the Press used to right. do a whole religion uh, show around Easter, right? Like they could they just do a climate show. Just do right. a whole climate show. You could have a you could have a segment once a week, right? Let's say maybe every night might be too much. Once a week, here's the latest evidence of climate change today, negative impact on human lives in some part of the world, Bangladesh, right? Or, yep. Uh, go to these places where islands are already disappearing. Yeah. Right. Um, Alaska, the United States, even you have to go to, you know, some other country. Um, you could do that uh, every night, but let me tell you who, where also climate silence is um, uh, is evident. I think, and that is among the politicians. I mean, how many politicians really talk about it? Um, not nearly enough. I mean, you have some leaders in the Senate, Sheldon Whitehouse, um, right. Senator Brian Schatz from Hawaii. Um, they do a great job of raising it. You know, you have some Democrats who do. Republicans would definitely never want to talk about it. Either they're outright deniers, or they just uh, try to avoid the topic whenever it comes up. So, um, you know, it kind of gets back to something you were talking about earlier. We need to, people need to get out and, and vote and turn some of these seats over to people who care about climate change, people who are going to take this crisis seriously. Uh, ultimately, that is the answer, of it course. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and uh, there are uh, other issues, but certainly this is one issue where you shouldn't vote for or against anyone until you know where they stand on climate change. That's and, exactly and whether, right. And whether they're willing to do... Uh, anything about it, um, uh, but you know, again, made all the more difficult when you've got a climate denier still who believes that climate change is nothing but a hoax invented by the Chinese, 
to make American businesses suffer, right? Yeah. Right. Well, as always, Media Matters, you're way out in front on the important issues of the day. Thanks, Lisa, so much for uh, all your good work. Thank you. Uh, you can follow Media Matters at MediaMatters.org. And where can they find the report? Uh, we're at MediaMatters.org. And just you can go slash climate 2017. Slash climate 2017 Media Matters for America. And when we come back, Hunter Walker covers the White House for Yahoo News and what he is learning from uh, Sarah Sanders about the whole Rob Porter scandal. And will John Kelly survive? We'll be back with Hunter Walker here on the Bill Press Show on Valentine's Day. Stay tuned. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. How about it? Happy Valentine's Day here on this uh, Wednesday, February 14, uh, The Bill Press Show. Hope you didn't forget. Uh, well, if you did, fortunately, it's a Wednesday, so the uh, flower shops and the uh, candy stores are, are still open. Uh, <clears throat> maybe too late to get a uh, reservation in your favorite restaurant, but whatever. Make the most of it, Valentine's Day, and thank you so much for joining us. Hunter Walker from Yahoo News, uh, very close here to uh, joining us. Will be joining us in studio. Uh, meanwhile, uh, lots to uh, lots to talk about. And uh, one more reminder for all of you: uh, so many of you already have uh, ordered a copy of uh, my new book. Uh, but as soon as they are available, they will be. It comes out published uh, next month, as early in the month as we've got them. You'll be getting your signed copy. Uh, those of you have already ordered of From the Left: Life in the Crossfire. And if you haven't done so, do it today. Valentine's Day, great day to give yourself or someone you love a fun little present. This is just uh, my story of um, things so far. A lot of fun that I've had. Whether it's um, when I was Democratic chair of California, when I was co-host of Crossfire, back in the days when I was working for uh, Jerry Brown, I mentioned earlier a lot of stories about uh, those days with Jerry Brown. It was a very exciting time. He was the most exciting politician in the country, and he was dating the rock star, Linda Ronstadt. So we had a lot of good times together uh, in uh, Northern California, Southern California, and around the country when he was running for president. That and a lot of other uh, fun stories here in From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. Bernie Sanders has a blurb on the front. Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Brown, Rosa DeLauro, Maxine Waters, Cenk Uger from uh, the Young Turks Network, uh, all blurbing the book on the back. And the good news is, uh, if you get it from our website, BillPressShow.com, that's where you go. Follow the link and order the book, Bill Press Show, or as many copies as you want, BillPressShow.com, and it's available there at a special 40% discount so it's for sixteen seventy nine. You won't be able to get that at that same price anywhere else. And this is a signed copy. BillPressShow.com from the left. Life in the crossfire. And look, right. if you buy it today, you can tell your loved one, your significant other, hey, look what I got you for Valentine's, for Valentine's Day. Day. What's more romantic right. than a Bill Press book? Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, and um, oh, in the news of the day, I want to talk to... Uh, uh, to uh, Hunter, particularly about um, Rob Porter. But there's uh, other news in the day. We mentioned uh, the blue wave continues. Now the blue wave is sweeping through Florida. Uh, another reason to celebrate yet another 
state legislative seat. This is two of them now in Florida this week. The blue wave. The there blue it wave. is. There it is. Uh, <laughs> I can hear that color. Hear that color blue. Yeah. Mm. That's definitely a blue wave. Yeah, right. you can tell. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're talking about is that last night a uh, Democrat won a special election in Sarasota, Florida, for the state house. It's uh, district number 72. Margaret Good, the Democratic candidate, won by seven and a half points, flipping a house seat from red to blue, following up on two other elections uh, in the last week in Florida, also flipping red to blue, the mayor of St. Petersburg, and then another state legislative seat, uh, House seat number, no, Senate seat number 40 in Miami-Dade. So this is like, by my count, 36, 37 state legislative seats since Donald Trump was elected that Democrats have flipped from blue, red to blue. That's what we call the blue wave, and uh, that's looking good, making making things in the midterm elections for Democrats look even better. Uh, And speaking of uh, elections and people running or not running, uh, it looks like Senator Bob Corker from Tennessee, yeah, Crimea River. You mean Little Bob Corker? Little Bob, Little Bob, L-I-D-D-L-A, Little Bob, uh, is, uh, well, you know, he announced that uh, he said some mean things, not mean things, he just said some true things about Donald Trump, that the White House is like an adult daycare center with the uh, uh, adolescent they're out of control. And then Bob Corker said, I'm out of here. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to run again. I'm stepping down. Now he's having second thoughts. But he's got a problem that Donald Trump won't endorse him. And so he'd like, he's now saying maybe he'd like to change his mind and run for re-election after all. Uh, and the president, meanwhile, is talking to Marsha Blackburn, the congresswoman, who is as far right as... She's farther to the right than Donald Trump. I mean, she is way, way out there. She's a Roy Moore kind of candidate. I'm not saying she's a pedophile, but she's a Roy Moore. Other ex- than that. Other than that. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I just love the fact that Corker, who, by the way, used to be and pride himself on saying he was the number one deficit hawk uh, in the Senate. Yeah, well, that nah, that's just no longer the case. In fact, Republic, Republicans, have, there aren't any deficit hawks left. Uh, and so Bob Corker, he's, I think he's getting what he deserves in a sense. He's been talking out of both sides of his mouth for so long, so, saying critical things about Donald Trump and then voting for everything Donald Trump wanted. Yeah. 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 Right. But, you know, the other issue here is this is creating some real turmoil in that race. It is. Similar to Alabama. Obviously, it's different kind of turmoil. But, like, Republicans, that was a slam dunk, easy to win seat for them. And because they had that turmoil and that drama around it, right. they ended up losing it. So and now you got the Corker thinking of changing his mind, talking about it, talking to people. He's been begging Trump for his endorsement to run for reelection. Hey, if I change my mind, will you endorse me? Trump is not willing yet, not yet at least, willing to do so, and he is at the same time actively encouraging Marsha Blackburn to run, indicating that he may endorse her. So that's going on on the Republican side, and meanwhile, as a cloud hanging over the whole Republican debate, is former very popular governor, Democrat Phil Bradenson, has announced that he is going to run for his old seat, old seat, 
Uh, and that's got that's scaring the hell out of the Republicans in Tennessee. Wouldn't it be great to pick up that Senate seat uh, in Tennessee God, after picking nice. up a tennis, uh, Senate seat in uh, Alabama as well? We also mentioned a little earlier that um, uh, we want to—I know you're dying to know the latest update on uh, Stormy Daniels. Uh, Stormy Daniels, who— um, she talks more for somebody who has a confidentiality agreement than anybody I've ever seen, but she won't tell the details about her affair with uh, Donald Trump, which started just a year after he married Melania and a little shortly after she had given birth to Barron. Um, but Stormy Daniels was paid, we know, $130,000 for keeping her mouth shut. Yesterday, who paid her? Well, yesterday, the president's attorney... If you believe this, the president's attorney, Michael Cohen, said, yes, she was paid $130,000, but that Michael Cohen paid her out of his own pocket. It was not Donald Trump's money, he says. He says Donald Trump did not reimburse him. He just did that as a favor to his client. He's been Donald Trump's attorney for a long, long time. He just did it as a favor for Donald Trump. How big... An idiot is he to believe that anybody would believe that story. Hey, Bill, I uh, you know, I mean, I, I got a, I got a couple of problems. Um, oh, can I help you out? Can you help me out? Actually, I need a little help. All I oh. need is just hundred thirty thousand no, no dollars. I'm not going to pay you Wait. back, by the way. You want cash or do you want? Yeah, to, oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah, be oh. that would be <laughs> that would be best. I mean, <laughs> come on, get out of come here. on. Yeah. First of all, he's Donald Trump's attorney, right? All right, you already have a credibility problem. And then you tell me that he didn't just, every month, just add a little more onto the bill to make up for $130,000 he shot out from his own pocket? He got that money back one way or another. And how did he explain to his wife that he paid $130,000 to the mistress of Donald Trump just out of the goodness of his heart? Yeah, sweetie, uh, you're probably going to notice that we're going to be light <laughs> this month by about $130,000. Oh, okay, honey, that's fine. What was it for? Well, I had to pay a porn star. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah, that'll fly. Right. That'll totally fly. <laughs> um, one other bit of news, out, uh, stunning news out of Israel. Uh, the Israeli police, reading from the front page of the New York Times, the Israeli police recommended on Tuesday that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, be charged with bribery, fraud, and a breach of trust uh, that uh, they claim that Benjamin Netanyahu accepted some $280,000 worth of goodies from uh, big donors uh, and in return uh, did all kinds of special favors for them uh, he also granted uh, special favors to the editor of uh, one of the Israel's most popular newspapers in return for getting favorable coverage in that newsletter. And the Israeli police have recommended that these charges be filed. That is now up to the attorney general of Israel to decide whether or not to actually press those charges. Uh, if so, is very unlikely that Benjamin Netanyahu could survive. But here, here's my takeaway from this, um, and I'm no fan of Netanyahu by, by any means Couldn't have happened all. to a nicer Couldn't guy. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, number one. <laughs> right, got to say that, right. Uh, but how refreshing, right, to have a country 
where people can be held responsible and where the law enforcement agencies are not rushing to cover up for the leader, a corrupt leader, but are actually investigating him, and if they found the evidence, charging him. And think of this. So Benjamin Netanyahu, they're saying that he ought to be indicted for accepting $280,000? Think of what Donald Trump has taken. Think of the money he's stolen. Think of the, I mean, over the years. And think about all the corrupt business deals between Donald Trump and Russian oligarchs and Russian banks and God knows who else, uh, you know, and with all these casinos in Atlantic City. Let me tell you something. I wish we had a justice system like they have in Israel where you could actually have some serious, the Justice Department, serious investigations. We've got one underway, and the president and his top staff and even the attorney general and Republicans are doing everything they can to undermine our Justice Department investigating our leader. And look what's happening What's happening there. So um, we could... Um, we got a lot to learn from the Israelis, I would say, when it comes. And by the way, the British as well and other countries when it comes to investigating their own leaders and, if necessary, uh, taking or recommending um, punitive action. What's going on at the White House? Well, we learned yesterday from the director of the FBI that everything the White House had been telling us about when they learned about Rob Porter um, was just simply not true. Hunter Walker's down there every day putting up with Sarah Huckabee Sanders lies, <laughs> and he joins us in studio. Hunter, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders is saying, well, we didn't know until last Tuesday about this Rob Porter stuff. Christopher yes, Ray says, mm, that's not quite the case, huh? Tell the, us about the it. The FBI says that Rob Porter's, uh, the report on Rob Porter's, Porter's background check was completed in July. Um, last July. Right. right. And he also said in this testimony on Capitol Hill that um, the White House requested additional information in November um, and the FBI provided it. So this was completed and extra completed. Um, and Sarah, you know, Sarah and Raj Shah last week said the background check is still ongoing. So that didn't make sense, given what Christopher Wray testified. And, and let's keep in mind, this is President Trump's handpicked FBI director. Um, this is no, you know, uh, right. crazy liberal like James Comey. Um, <laughs> um, so then, um, you know, Sarah gets up uh, yesterday at the briefing as it inches ever closer to 5 p.m. <laughs> these days. Right. Yeah. Um, they seem to be trying to eliminate it from the schedule. It was called at three. And then what time did it finally well, it was. Happen? I think it was initially called at two. I mean, it they moved they, to three. Yeah. 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 They, they put it later and later in the yeah. day and then go even later than that. Um, and I've been very annoyed by this because you have a situation where the president has nothing on his schedule till 11, has three things on tap for the day. Um, and they seem to be unable to hold the briefing on time. And, you know, it doesn't include a lot of prep because all Sarah does is say, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, her new um, version of the Porter story is that the background check was both finished by the FBI and ongoing. 
<laughs> because both were true. Huh? Yes, yeah. she she now brought in a new character, this Office of Personnel Security, um, and she said that the FBI was done, but this office was still needing to do more investigatory field work. Why they are better than that at the FBI, I have no idea. Um, I did talk to people who are familiar with this process, and one source told me this quote doesn't add up. And this makes no sense because typically the White House counsel would be involved in, you know, uh, Porter is one of what was described to me as a handful of super senior positions. Mm -hmm. Um, And there really aren't that many um, positions in the White House in general. I mean, this is effectively a small company. Um, and this is a key, key job. The council's typically involved in the interviews for this. And they said it's very bizarre that there would be what's called a flag on the file from the FBI and that this file with a literal physical piece of paper flag hanging out with the abuse allegations would not be brought to the chief of staff and the council by the FBI um, or the Office of Personnel Security. Now, nobody looks good in this, I believe, but at the White House. Um, we, we've talked a lot about John Kelly. I want to I ask you about him, but let mm-hmm. me ask you first about White House Counsel Don McGahn. Yeah. All right. So what I've heard is that read that he was first informed by the FBI there could be a problem in January 2017. And that makes a lot more sense given what I've heard about how this is normally supposed to go. So 13 months and he does nothing. You know, the the people that I've talked to, the, the source I spoke to chiefly, um, said that, you know, it's possible the Trump administration could have completely changed these procedures um, crazy things can happen, but but normally there's no way something this serious for a position this serious would go on, and John Kelly and Don McGahn wouldn't know about it. Right. Um, and and more importantly, you know, the whole thing is about getting a security clearance, and the issue here is that Porter is handling the most classified documents and could be compromised, um, given his. Mm-hmm major issues in his personal life. So he could be a target a target for extortion. Um, so he's walking around with an interim security clearance, as are many officials at the White House, including Jared Kushner. And, you know, the source I spoke to said this is a thorough process, this interim this security clearing process, but they want to do it quickly for the top level positions. Yes, yes. And it also is bizarre, and this is, I think, the bigger story, that Porter and all these people are walking around unable to get these clearances. Something is wrong with a lot of people. People mm. at the White House should know, according to procedure, you know, yeah. the, the way it's been defined to me is if you're Don McGahn, you're going to ask, you're going to say, hey, why does the staff secretary still have interim if you didn't get the flag? So, mm-hmm. so something is up. Right. All right. So then we come to John Kelly, who tells the White House staff that he wants them to say that I only learned about this 40 minutes before I took action. That doesn't add up either. It 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 doesn't it does not fit how this has happened in the past for John Kelly and the White House counsel to say they didn't know about this. Right. That is just what has been told now, to he me. He wasn't there in January, but he came he was sworn in the last day of July. Uh, and again, and they were getting new information as recently as November. I mean, right, which, which right. you know, Christopher Ray's timeline, when combined with how this process should normally go, begs two questions: How was no one made aware of this earlier? Why wasn't it finished when the FBI concluded its report mm-hmm. uh, in July? Why did they even ask for this? I guess it's more than two questions. Why did they even yeah. ask for this additional info? And then why did they do nothing with it? Right. Okay, so then the question lurking to me is, 
what did the president know and when did he know it? I mean, I'm almost willing to believe that Donald Trump didn't know this was all going on, but that does stretch it a little bit, knowing how he seems to be, you know, the, the people, wanting to know everything. The people I have talked to really laid this at the feet of the chief of staff and the general counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it is possible uh, he didn't know. But then again, I mean, there's this larger issue with many officials, including his son-in-law, not having the proper clearances. And, and yeah, you yeah. know, whether he knew or not, for a guy who essentially ran a presidential campaign heavily based on a rival mishandling classified information, um, <laughs> yeah, this interim security clearance issue is, is pretty real. Uh, and then it, uh, even let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he didn't know. But then his immediate reaction, right, is once he does know, is to praise Porter, <laughs> wish him a great career, and then go after basically saying that his wives must have lied because he denied it. And, yeah. And there's no due process for people like him who's poor, poor guy, his career's ruined, I, showing no empathy at all for the victims. I think he's, you know, reporters are making a big deal out of the fact that um, he has not publicly and specifically addressed the victims. Sarah Sanders keeps pointing out to this sort of written statement she rushed through um, ahead of yeah. the, one of the briefings last week, or I think it was Monday, but, but um, you know, she I says, think, I speak for him, and I'm saying this, therefore he said it. And he dictated it. it to me. Yeah, right, um, dictated I it. I think she even declared that retroactively, but it's really besides the point. I think what he's doing is, to me, very clear. He's trying to sort of have his base cake and eat it, too. Um, and what I mean is you have Donald Trump, guy who loves you know saying the politically incorrect, who speaks to a base that likely is very fed up with things like the Me Too movement. On the other hand, you can't have criminals who can't pass uh, security clearances in the White House. You can't um, have amoral people in the White House. So he's having people like Sarah and Kellyanne go out there and say some of the right things about Porter He's even dictating that in a statement, but publicly and on Twitter, most importantly, he's he, he's you know speaking out for men falsely accused of these situations, right? Uh, and and indicating that if you deny it, it never happened, which yeah. is of course his but, own mo. Yeah, it's right that you point that out. I mean, he has defended a lot of guys accused of abuse, including himself, and Steve Roy Moore. Bannon, <laughs> Roy Moore, Rob Porter. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a really long list. He's he's he seems to stumble into these people a lot. Does Hope Hicks survive? I, I think she does. So I I'm not big on this. You know. Um, this game where, you know, this is a White House plagued by infighting. And I can call people at any given moment mm-hmm. and, you know, they'll tell me, oh, we're going to replace John Kelly with Mick Mulvaney or Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. This person's up. This person's down. That kind of gossip is always flowing. Um, I think it's partially how, you know, these people get reprimanded in there. But, you know, Hope Hicks has been with him longer than anybody. She um, was his longest serving campaign aide. She knows everything. Um, so you don't want to make her mad with Bob Mueller yeah. floating around. And she also has put up with quite a bit, and this is her first big mistake. If she were to leave, she might do like Omarosa did and say, I would never vote for him again, not in a thousand years. <laughs> I, I'll tell you this. A million I, years, I guess I, she I have not watched Omarosa on Celebrity Big Brother. I would tune in for Hope Hicks. <laughs> I would tune in. Does John Kelly survive? So, you know, as I was hinting at before, the big rumor right now floating out of that White House is that John is done. Um, 
you know, not only do I not believe it because this stuff is, I mean, people were reporting. But that, Trump can't be happy with how this has come down. Well, yeah, but remember right. this. People were reporting Kelly was on, on his way out um, after he spoke uh, to the Latino caucus and said Trump's vision of the wall had evolved. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Now, look, you could take that on the one side and say, wow, Trump's been unhappy with Kelly for a while. He's really out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even even if we break this down on the most cynical level, um they talk about replacing the big rumor is that he would be replaced with Mick Mulvaney or Kevin McCarthy. And you can't really do this, right? Because who then replaces Mick Mulvaney at OMB, <laughs> right? And with guys like Mulvaney and Sessions. It's a small group right? around Donald Trump, isn't it? Trump really? draws people from Congress. We've seen the problems that this caused. Look at Tom His, Price. Well, uh, also look at um, look at Jeff Sessions. Really, yeah. yeah. You, you take Jeff Sessions for the administration because he's really got mm-hmm. you know he's uh, desperate for applicants in a way, and you lose a seat for the Republicans in Alabama. Kevin McCarthy's a California Republican in a moment when polling looks really tricky for them. I don't think you want to lose that seniority and that seat um, for a personnel appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, so Donald Trump has a lot of good friends, right? The best friends, tremendous friends, uh, like Michael Cohen's one of his best <laughs> friends and his attorney. Uh, how much do you believe that Michael Cohen paid Stormy Daniels one hundred and thirty thousand dollars out of his own pocket? Well, I certainly believe uh, because the Wall Street Journal documented it so thoroughly, and now Cohen has admitted it that. Michael Cohen paid Stormy Daniels. The question is, was he reimbursed? It came through a Delaware shell company. Uh, Uh, (laughs) You know, it came through a Delaware shell company. It was in his pocket at some point. Um, Was he reimbursed? You know, I I honestly don't know. And part of that is because I'm not sure at any given moment how liquid Donald Trump is. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It just seemed to be stretching belief. So I I talked to Michael Cohen last night, you know, and he said, yeah, he said to me, I will read you his statement. He, he said he paid him. He just because it's true um, doesn't mean it couldn't have harmed Trump. And he said, um, "I will always protect Mr. Trump." That's a quote. So I, I might be able to get one hundred and thirty thousand dollars from Michael Cohen this week. Man, I want him for yeah. my lawyer too. That's <laughs> it, Hunter Walker. A great job at the White House. Thanks so much. It's <laughs> Yahoo News. Yahoo.com. This have a great day, Bill folks. Bush See you tomorrow. Show.